Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. Good morning. Um, So today, Scott was supposed to preach. And I think he got me back. I like to change things at the last minute, and he decided to lose his voice this morning. So at 8 o'clock this morning, we made an executive decision that I would be preaching. So Scott got me back. It's my turn to now get him back. Be prepared, Scott, and be scared. So what I can do for you this morning is I can share with you. First, if it's your first time here, you haven't been here in a long time, give me a tremendous amount of grace this morning, okay? That fares? Yes? Okay, give me a tremendous amount of grace as we try to work through this. Um, and, and what I can do for you this morning is really just share what's been on my heart for the past couple of weeks, um, something I want to talk to you about, and just be, just know you're getting the unfiltered version. I haven't had a week to filter through all of this, so just be warned, okay? This should not be streaming online. But here's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about what is a church supposed to be known for. Okay? What is a church supposed to be known for? This is something that's been on my heart, something that is really important to me, and I cannot tell you how many people that I've met that's been a part of and come become a part of First Baptist who has just told me how different this church is and, and how helpful this church is to them. And just, well, I've heard things like, well, I never thought I'd be at another Baptist church. I've heard things like, I never thought I'd go to a First Baptist church. And every time they say those things to me, it's just kind of inspiring to just realize the type of church we're becoming and the type of things we've worked through. And and I believe we are intentional. Like what we're trying to do here is be very intentional that we live out our faith as Jesus followers. So we want to live out and share this good news of Jesus Christ. Because for me, my experience growing up in the local church, well, it wasn't a good one. The church and the people in the church, they seemed so disconnected from my life and kind of the world I was living in. You see, our family experienced a tremendous amount of brokenness. And it's not a blame game. It's just sometimes... Life happens. Life ever happened to y'all before? Yeah, the unexpected happened. Somebody else did something. It wasn't about what you did, but someone else did something that caused a tremendous amount of pain and tragedy in your life. And, and so these things just happen. And, and in those difficult seasons, when you have those times, where can you turn? You see, I believe the local church should be the place people know they can turn no matter what they are facing, no matter what life throws at them, to include no matter the choices that they have made or the choices other people have made to lead them to the season of life they are in. I really do believe that the church should be a hospital for sinners, not just a social club for those who have it all together. 
But in order for that to happen, the local church needs to be known for something. We should have a reputation. People should know something about the local church and how it's and how it's different. And, and right now, you know, we're facing an uphill battle because the church is mainly known for what they're against. The church is known for what they're against, but I do not believe that it's helpful or healthy. I believe from the bottom of my heart that we should be known for what we are for, not what we're against. And what we should be known for, the things that should bleed out of our church and what everybody should say about us are these these three words, and I bet you've heard them before. Faith, hope, and love. And when you think of those things, faith, hope, and love, what comes to your mind? Do you picture a local church? Well, probably not. You probably picture that little frame that's sitting in your bathroom or on your kitchen or those little plaques or those little words or that Facebook post that somebody put with that picture behind it. For some reason, those three words are on pictures all over the place, and for some reason, they're never made manly. They have butterflies and flowers and things of that nature as if men can't have faith, hope, and love. I don't understand it. But these things, faith, hope, and love, they're so common. We say them all the time. But do we really embrace them? Do we live them out? Are we known for these three things? It's amazing that throughout Scripture, these three words are put together all the time. I mean, all the time they just go together. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul ends his famous love chapter, right, that we read. We went through a couple of months ago where Paul explains out what love looks like, and he ends it with this. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. In Colossians 1, 4 through 5, he says this. He says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people and the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up in you in heaven, And about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel. You see, these three words are categorized. They're put together because they're radically important for how Christians are to be. What we are to be known for. And they're game changers, church. They're game changers for not just you and in your individual life. But they're game changers for our church. And they can transform communities and cities and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul expresses how powerful they are and what they can do. If you have your Bible with you, because we do not have slides today. If you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's what's going on. Paul wrote this. Uh, Paul was a missionary, for those of you who don't know. Paul was a missionary who traveled around the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was an early church leader. Before he was a Jesus follower, Paul was an elite Pharisee Jew. He was very educated. He was trying to stomp out Christians, trying to stop them and their movement from spreading. He was a scholar of his day. He hated Christians. He went around throwing them in jail for believing in Jesus because he believed they were spreading rumors about this false Messiah, the false Jewish leader who had come and done something. And so Paul persecuted Christians until Jesus well came to him. Jesus rocked his world, changed his life. He found out that Jesus was who he claimed to be, and he turned his life over to him. 
After that, years later, Paul ended up becoming a missionary, right? Traveling around the world, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wrote most of the New Testament letters that we have to these different churches, explaining to them what it looks like to live as Christians, what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. He would travel from town to town, going to the Jewish synagogues. That's, that's the Jewish people's place of instruction. Generally, he'd get thrown out and, uh, by the Jewish people. Then he'd go to the Gentiles and share the gospel in the towns with them. Most of the time, he was run out of the, the um, synagogues, but the non-Jewish people would be receptive, and sometimes they weren't receptive either. But during his second missionary journey... Paul travels to Thessalonica, a major city of Macedonia, after he was run out of Philippi for preaching Jesus. Thessalonica was a commercial city where major trade happened, and this was like the place to be. And in Acts chapter 17, he tells us what happens. They went into the city to preach. Paul and his companions went to the synagogue to preach Jesus, and it says this, Acts 17, 2. It says, as was his custom... Paul went into the synagogue, and on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from Scripture, explaining to them and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded to join Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women." So Paul went to the synagogue to explain to them about Jesus. He was showing them through the scriptures that what Jesus had to come and do, like this was all foretold in the scriptures about this. He's showing them who Jesus is. Verse 5 says this, but other Jews were jealous. Right, Paul's making a difference. They were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. It's the non-believers who start riots in cities, folks, not the Christians. It says they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come he now here. And Jason welcomed them into his house, and they are defying Caesar's decree, saying, There is another king, the one called Jesus. So they get in trouble because they're going around saying there's a new king, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's, that's how they're involved in politics, just in case you're wondering. They say there is a new king, and his name is Jesus. He's established a new kingdom and calling you to be a part of what he is doing in this world. Jesus has come. There's a new kingdom being put in place, and you can come be a part of this. So they start reaching people with this good news of Jesus Christ, and the crowds start picking a fight. Listen, they didn't pick fights with the crowds, the crowd started picking fights with them, started arresting them, taking them before the officials, throwing them in jail because of the message of Jesus Christ. And what we think of success, reaching people with the gospel, started a riot. They locked up Jason and his friends. They ended up posting bail and being released. That night, Jason 
And his friends sent Paul and Silas away because of the trouble. Riots are breaking out. So they say, look, in the middle of the night, say, you guys got to leave. You got to get out of here. Things aren't going to go well for you. And they didn't stay there but for a couple of weeks. That's about as long as we think they stayed. So Paul and Barnabas went to Berea about 50 miles away. So they went to Thessalonica. They preached there, had to leave pretty rushed, only there for a couple of weeks. And then they go to Berea, which is about 50 miles away. They had great success reaching people there. And the people from Thessalonica that started problems up here said, man, they're down there preaching the gospel. Let's go get them. So they left up here, traveled to go and and started a protest against Paul um, down in Berea. They started agitating the crowd, stirring them up again. So once again, we have the crowds and the people getting angry at them for preaching the gospel. So they sent Paul out of there as well, but Timothy and Silas stayed in Macedonia. But Paul goes to Athens. Now Paul's in Athens, has not much success, and then he heads to Corinth. So, I mean, there's just been a lot going on. He's traveling around preaching, getting run out of the city, going to the next city, getting run out of that city, then not having success, and then he ends up in Corinth. And here's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 3. He says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I mean, Paul is beat up. Paul is tired. He's ran out of cities. He's been beaten up in Philippi, run out of Thessalonica, run out of Berea, not much success in Athens, and now he's in Corinth. And we read all about what happened to him in there. And I'm sure Paul would be thinking at this point, perhaps you think something away along in your life. He's like, man, is this worth it? Should I keep going? Does it matter? Am I even making a difference? It doesn't look like I'm making a difference. Everybody keeps running me out. People aren't really with me. What should I do? Am I sacrificing too much? But then his friends show up. Timothy and Silas with a report from Macedonia. They show up and tell Paul, hey, remember Thessalonica? Remember that church you only had a couple of weeks with? You remember, remember them? Paul's like, yeah, that was a while. Yeah, I remember. How's it going? He's like, look, we have some great news for you. This church is doing some great things. And Paul wasn't there long. He didn't know how they were doing. So he gets his report like, things are going well, Paul. Things are happening, Thessalonica. So, so he writes them this letter. He writes them and tells them what he hears about them. And this is what I want us to think about. This is what they're known for. Here's what he tells them. Here's what they get excited about. Here's the report. He says this, First uh, Thessalonians 2. He says, we thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and Father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he commends them for three things, church. Three things. He commends them for their work, their labor, and their endurance. What they were doing as a local church made a radical difference in the lives of the people in the church and in their community. Their work, their labor, and their endurance for Jesus Christ. And when you think of those three words, does that describe you? Your work, your labor, and your endurance. You're like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing that at work. No, no, no. For Jesus Christ. For the gospel. Is that what describes you? 
He says their faith, remember, here's those three words, and those three words, faith, hope, and love, here's what they produce. Here's what they should be producing in your life as well. He says their faith produced work. And the, I, the word work, the idea is rendering aid to others without distinction. In this city, they had a lot going on. I mean, they had to be concerned about being thrown in jail for being a believer. And you thought you had problems being a Christian. Church, we're okay. None of you are going to jail for believing in Jesus. Did, did you know that? So like that alone, when you read the Bible, you're like, I guess we're doing a lot better than them. Like, we're going to be okay. Like, we can make it. We're going to be good. So they continued, even though they worried about going to jail, losing their jobs, losing their family, because of their faith, they continued to do good deeds through to other people. You see, Galatians 6.10, Paul says, Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Church, Christians should be known for doing good. Like, we should have a reputation for doing good things, for helping other people. And you're like, well, what is a good deed? I don't know. Think about it. All sorts of things, helping homeless, feeding people. We just keep naming, naming, and naming. Like, there's so many good things we can do. We should be known for those. But you should be like, yeah, that church, man, all the good they're doing in our community, whoo. If they were to leave, there'd be a problem in this community. They're doing so many good things. But their faith in Jesus Christ produced this good work. But it also, their labor that was prompted by love. And labor here means, and this is where some of us, right, we've got to be stretched. Some of us know exactly how this feels. But labor is hard, strenuous, exhausting labor. Like they were getting tired. But the love allowed them to keep going. Their love allowed them to push through. Their love for other people allowed them to labor for these people. Their love for others was evident in their hard labor, meaning their labor, what they were doing, it cost something. It wasn't easy, but they kept pushing forward, doing good things, laboring for others because of the love they had for people. And then hope. Their hope, faith, love, hope, hope produced endurance. And endurance is the ability to remain steadfast and persevere in the face of persecution or temptation. Endurance is the ability to keep going when everyone else quits. When everything in you says, give up, I'm done, I'm tired. Hope lets you keep going. It pushes you to keep going. You see, their hope was in something greater than their career, than their money, than their finances, than their retirement. Their hope was found in Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love, it changed everything for them. Verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not with simply, excuse me, not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. It says, so the gospel came to them with power and deep conviction. The Holy Spirit 
um, came upon them, like this power. So what this means, what Paul's describing is a genuine life change through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like we cannot talk about the gospel and the things we are to do as Jesus followers if we don't first address that you should have life change because of Jesus. Like God should have changed you and is, and is doing a good work in your life. Like has the gospel been producing that in you? Has the gospel been producing growth and maturity? Have you grown in your faith? I mean, when was the last time you really grew? I'm not talking about when was the last time you knew more Bible trivia. Right, that's not what I'm asking. I know you know more facts about the Bible, that's great. But when have them, those facts actually spurred something inside of you and done something in your life? Like, so first up is life change. But he says, you have become imitators of us in the Lord. And so they heard the message, listen, they heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then watched the message in the person of Paul. Remember, we just described all that stuff Paul was going through. He went through all that turmoil, all those hardships, and they saw that in him. They heard the message, and they were watching Paul the entire time. He was beaten in Philippi. He showed up in Thessalonica. He was still bruised and beat up. He was ran out of there, ran out of Berea. Then he gets to Corinth. He's wore out. But the whole time, they were paying attention. They were watching what he was doing. They were getting reports about him. They saw what faith, hope, and love looked like. And they were like, man, look at this guy, Paul. They saw what Paul was going through, and it motivated them to continue moving forward. If people were to watch you, would they be motivated to continue in the Christian life? Would they be inspired for Jesus Christ because of your actions and deeds? And church, we must remember, people are watching us and what we do and what we say. And I know all of us want to live a good life. We want to be blessed. We want to have everything we've always wanted, health, wealth. I know we want prosperity. Like, I I got all of that. But do you see that it's in our hardships? Like with Paul, his hardships are what really inspired other people. It's easy to say you're blessed when things are going great. But what about when you get that bad doctor's report or you lose the job? or when you fail, or when those people talk bad about you. It's in those times of despair that we cling to our faith, hope, and love. And when everything else is falling apart around us, we continue in that for Jesus Christ and his mission. And it's in those times we will show the gospel greater than any time of prosperity in your life. It's in those times people will see, man, there is something different, and I want some of that. Like, if that's what Jesus Christ can do, I want some of that in my life. It's in those times, it's in the hard times, the suffering, we truly inspire other people into greatness. And some of you right now, you are facing some extremely difficult times. But you need to embrace it. Not dwell in it, but this may be your new reality, but you can still have faith Hope and love, no matter what you're dealing with. And I know some of you are facing so many hardships. And I'm thinking of you right now, and I know what you're dealing with, and I see your faith. I see your hope. The way you smile, the way you're sharing with others, the way no matter what you're going through, you're still pointing to Jesus Christ. And God is doing a good work in that. Because just because you are facing hardships doesn't mean God has left you, doesn't mean it's abandoned you. 
Paul was facing all of that and was right in the center of God's will. And he remained faithful, shared his hope, continued to show love, and it changed lives. And so church, remember, people are watching. And when things don't go our way, we still need to cling to faith, hope, and love. They need to be rooted deep inside of us that that's the way we respond. That's the way we behave because that's what we believe matters. Verse 7, this is what it says. It says, and you and so you became because of what they've done, their faith, hope, and love, imitating Jesus and Paul. And it says, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And did you know this is the only reference in the New Testament in the entire New Testament of of an entire church being a model for other churches. Like this church started having conferences because of what they've done. Not really, but that that would happen today. Like people started looking at them, go, what's different about them? How are they changing lives? How are they making difference in the communities? Churches started looking, getting reports like, what's going on? Like, oh, three things. They're like, what is it? What are these three secrets? Faith, hope, love. Like that's the model. That's what we do in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our hardship. And they became an example for an entire region. So everyone now hears about them and knows about them as an example of what the gospel looks like because of faith, hope, and love. You see, God can use whatever you are going through for his glory. God can use all of those problems that you've created for his glory. God can use all those problems that other people have created for his glory. God is in the business of changing lives. And when local congregations cling to faith, hope, and love, even in the midst of challenging times, people will take notice because there's something different about that. When difficulties happen, when things don't go your way, how do you respond? And when someone is hopeful in the midst of despair, we all go, hmm, there's something different about that. When someone's angry and being nasty to one person, the other person responds in love, we go, huh, there's something different about that. Faith, hope, and love really do change the world. And if we want to be a church that is reaching people for Jesus Christ, it comes by those three things. Verse 8, he continues. He says, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith and God has become known everywhere. Like their reputation preceded them. Everybody started hearing about this church. He says, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report of what kind of reception you gave us. You see, every local church and all churches have a reputation that precedes them. I mean, people know about them, people hear about them, people talk. That's just the way it goes. But everybody knew about this church because of faith, hope, and love. They weren't known for what they were against. They weren't known for calling everybody out. They weren't known for for any of that. They were known for a different thing, a gospel thing, and claiming there is one true king and his name is Jesus Christ. And they're being persecuted over it. And here's what they were known for. It comes down to their faith. It's faith, hope, and love. But here's the other message, the verbal message, the thing they were telling people about. Here's what they were for. You ready for it? 
Here's what they were for. It says, they tell how you turn to God, like this was the reputation. They tell how you turn from God, excuse me, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Their faith, hope, and love was rooted in Jesus Christ. So they turned from idolatry, and the world around them knew they turned from idolatry. Like, man, y'all are trusting something different. Y'all gave up on those things we usually think are important, that stuff the world clings to. He said, y'all gave up on all that, and y'all have turned to this Jesus? It says their reputation says that they were waiting for God's Son in heaven, which means he ascended to heaven. They were Because he was raised from the dead, his name is Jesus, and he will rescue them from the coming judgment. And so their faith, hope, and love was rooted in the gospel. And the thing that everybody knew about this church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they used their mics for. That's what they used their platforms for. The platforms we get as Christians, the platforms we get as churches, it should be all about telling people about Jesus Christ, about who he is, what he has done, and what he will do in the future. And church, everybody was watching them. And for us, we must know that the world is changing all around us and people are watching. But as a church, we should be known for what? All right, faith, hope, and love. And as we saw from the life of Paul, one person can make a difference. You and your job living out faith, hope, and love can make a difference. You and your family. Fourth of July is coming up. Family gatherings are coming up. That can be stressful for some of us, right? We're like, oh, I got to see them again. Faith, hope, and in love. In this church, in your small group, in your Sunday school class, whatever it may be, you can make a difference. When people see that in you, it will cause people to question and wonder, what is that? I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've never acted like that. Yeah. But it's faith, hope, and love. And so I ask you, we're closing, what are you known for? What are you personally known for? If people were to describe you or talk about you, what would they say? Like, what motivates you? Paul tells us our faith must motivate us. It must be the driving factor in our life. And what gets you going? What, what gets you moving in the morning? Like, if you don't have faith, what directs your entire life? And what are you hoping for? Like, what inspires you in your life? Is it retirement? Is it making enough and having enough? I've talked to way too many people who've retired to know, man, I'm not putting my hope in that. My goodness, they're busier now than I'm busy here. So I've realized that retirement isn't the end goal. Like I thought it was, but it just seems like all you do is work more at the house. So that's, that's not it. But what are you putting your hope in? And what compels you and directs your attitudes and actions? Is it love? Is that what compels you? Is that what, how do you behave and act with other people? Well, as a church, I hope you with me, we continue to live out this faith, hope, and love because as we've seen, it can make a difference. Not just in your life, but in life of local church, 
in the life of a city and a community and other churches around just by modeling those three. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for those virtues of faith, hope, and love and how they can work deep down in our soul and can overflow in our lives in so many different directions. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus, who he is and how he came and modeled what this looks like and what it can be lived out perfectly for us. Lord, we know we're not going to make that standard. We know we're not going to, to, to be perfect. So we thank you for your grace and your love and your forgiveness. We thank you so much that you draw us to you and that you're saving us and doing a good work in our lives. We just ask that as a community, you continue to show us how we can share and show the gospel, how we can help other people know you and fall in love with you. Father, we're so thankful. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.